Behavior in schools is steadily on the rise. COVID interrupted school routines and kids are behind. Parents are anxious, kids are anxious, school staff are anxious. It's a recipe for disaster if we don't figure out how to manage all of it. I'm Raleigh, she's Danielle, and this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Well, hello there, Raleigh. Hello! Coming to you from the condo cove. Or the condo connector. Com- or the condo compartment. We'll come up with a name soon enough. Yeah, it's a little small. It's snug. I have to think of a C word for snug. Cozy. The cozy, condo cozy corner. Gross. I don't want that one. <laughs> How are you? It's I'm, the I'm week good. before... Winter break. That's right. And a time that most people who work in a school are counting down by crossing off the calendar um, or checking things off. They know exactly how many days, how many hours, how many minutes, how many seconds. We are ready for it. I was in the classroom uh, earlier this week and actually yesterday, and they were literally counting the hours to Mm -hmm. figure out whether or not it was four days or four and a half days left it's in important i mean it's that's where an we're at right now i think yeah given the given the time of year given i feel like it's been harder now mm-hmm. that we're back in school full time you thought it would be easier but i feel right. like it's so much harder now well i think you know we we did talk about this in our um pilot episode that you know the pandemic set us back a long way and Someone had said to me recently, you know, it's like when kids were home, parents got to see where the disconnect was. They got to be a part of kids struggling with homework, kids struggling with managing emotions, with friends, with, you know, kind of different tasks. And they got overwhelmed. Parents got overwhelmed. And then the parents were overwhelmed and the kids were overwhelmed. And then they kind of went to the school system and said, help us because we're all overwhelmed. And we as school staff said, yes, so are we. And we're sort of still trying to piece it together in the midst of ongoing stress about you know obviously the pandemic and whether you know i'm sure kids that are graduating are they graduating on time are kids going to go to the next grade i mean we're getting to that point mid-year where we start to kind of assess that we obviously have time but i'm sure that the worry of how is this going to go forward and you know i do think the behavior piece ties in as well to probably some mental health stuff that's happening for kids that, you know, if you if you want to cite the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, um, which I will, one in five kids, according to this site, um, between the ages of three and 17, have some type of mental health or behavioral um, health disorder. And they often express feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and these are related to the pandemic and also social media. So, you know, we could probably spend a whole bunch of episodes on just the influence of social media on today's youth and feelings of, you know, not quite measuring up or a certain way that you're supposed to present yourself. Um, Did you hear about the TikTok thing this week? Yes, I did. I mean, imagine just COVID stressors, not being in school for two years, essentially, depending or inconsistently for almost two years. Right. And now you have TikTok telling kids to bring weapons to school or, you know, that's insane to me. That was crazy. Right. And, you know, there's this idea that it's almost... I think we've almost become numb to it. Um, I read somewhere that I think it's so far in 2021, and I might get this exact number incorrect, but I believe there were 32 school shootings so far this school year. And the sheer volume of that um, is absolutely mind-blowing. And the fact that we just are so used to hearing 
about these things and kind of like, well, yeah, how many kids were shot? How many adults were shot? And what did that, oh, it came from a kid whose parents gave him a gun or it came from a kid that had some mental health problems. Oh, that's not our students. Oh, that's a kid with special needs. That's not our kids. Well, yeah, it is our kids. And there's this almost, I think, numb and lack of true understanding of consequences of your actions, of what could happen if you are bringing a knife to school, bringing a weapon to school, doing something that could harm someone or could scare people, that there are real consequences to that. And then you have to step back and say, what was the kind of um, genesis of that? What created that moment for that kid to feel that way and come into a school like that? And are we really addressing all of these issues? Because I think, again, I think we spoke about this prior, that baseline anxiety is just probably a given for everybody. And then how is that managed by people? We all manage it differently. And are we really addressing everybody's needs in a way that feels like they can then overcome that and be successful? Well, I was looking at statistics as well. Oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nerds, nerd yeah, alert, nerd, nerd alert, alert, nerd alert, <laughs> nerd alert. Um, but even pre-COVID, the mental health challenges for students were on the rise. So mm-hmm. in 2007, you're talking um, overall, you had 9.4 kids, 2 to 17, like 6.1 million kids have diagnosed ADHD. And then it just rose year after year after that Um, to the point where they're now saying, you know, in between 2011, 2017, anxiety has gone up over a percent of kids. Depression has gone up 3%. It's insane. Um, So how are we, and I think given that how overwhelming COVID has been for everyone, people I think are feeling like they're out of strategies and out of the, they don't have access to the supports that they feel like they need when they do. They're just so overwhelmed. They can't sort of sit back and say, I mean, we were just talking about this before the pod started, just that everyone's so overwhelmed at baseline that they can't stop and think for a minute of where they are. Right. And kind of get back to basics of how do we, we, we all need to reset. And I think there's so much pressure because there is a lack of almost like ability to take that perspective in the moment. And I think it comes from parents, it comes from school staff, it comes from kids, this pressure to make up for this lost time and this pressure to succeed. And again, I think there's absolutely a correlation that can be made that parents watched kids struggle through school for a year and a half or two years and are saying, well, wow, this isn't what I expected my kid to be doing every day, or this isn't where I thought they were at, or, you know, not realizing maybe how much is happening via social media that's creating this anxiety, this angst, this depression for kids, that I think you're right. I think you could totally separate that from the pandemic and say, well, maybe this was occurring anyway. Clearly it was, and we were trending this way regardless. Um, And that's the social media bent, right? Like we're trending this way where that becomes the focus, that becomes the distraction. I mean, you could see it with society as a whole of people being so distracted by their phones and so distracted by what that latest video is that they didn't see, what that post was that they missed out on, what little tidbit of news about some famous person that they're not caught up on, that creates anxiety for people. And then to expect, oh, on top of that, be a student. And what does a student look like in 2021, 2022 coming forward? Like, what does it look like to be a successful student? And are we shifting the way we need to shift for the modern times? I think about that a lot in, 
you know, my own work of, am I shifting enough? Are we all shifting enough to kind of accommodate for that change? I mean, I certainly didn't grow up in an era with that technology and with social media. And I think learning how to adapt. Yeah, I am. I am. And I'm thankful for that, to be honest. But, um, you know, being able to shift and say, okay, well, we have all these distractions. It's not going to change. We can't change the fact that this is happening. We can't change the pandemic. How are we working within that, understanding that those are the parameters and working within it? And I think that it does. I think you're absolutely right to say we all need to kind of come together and recess, reassess what we can be doing and not blaming each other because that's what sort of starts happening is parents blame the adults in the school, the adults in the school blame the parents, the kids are involved, we're blaming the kids, the kids are blaming us. I mean, we're all blaming each other for things that we haven't, you know, we're all trying to work through and it's just not a fair situation. Yeah, I mean, one of my life, lifelong, or at least my work lifelong mottos is assuming positive intent and that's literally the motto I've been going in this year. Anytime something comes up, it's like, well, are we assuming that they're doing the right thing? Let's assume positive intent, that yeah. their intentions weren't to, you know, screw you over, basically, or, like, you know, make the kid have a bad grade or whatever people are upset about, create anxiety or create a behavioral challenge. No one's intent is to go in and be like, you know what, I'm going to make someone mad today. Yeah. That's no one's intent, and I feel like I mean, if we can start it's, there. It's probably someone's intent. One, one person out there Maybe. might have that intent, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's not a part of this. Yeah. We're going to take that person out. Yeah, yeah that person. They're, they're, they're the data that we throw out. Yeah, they're like the low end of the bell curve yeah, yeah, that yeah. you like take yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the high and the low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, assuming positive intent to me when thinking about strategies and steps is literally the first step you think about. All right, let me take a step back and assume that they're they're thinking that they're making the right decisions or choices and let's go from there. So I would imagine that a lot of people understand that this is the perspective that we need to have. It's, but I think we get back to well, what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to say, well, we all need to give each other a break and we all need to assume positive intent, which is all wonderful. But the reality is that that's not showcasing itself necessarily mm-hmm. in the day to day. Whether it's IEP meetings, whether it's parent-teacher conferences, whether it's you know just in a classroom setting, it's in extracurricular activities, wherever it might be, it's not necessarily showing that we are giving people a break and understanding short staffing. Um, this is something that I feel is a major issue that we talked about before, that how do you help people understand, parents, whomever, districts, whomever, the you know, the, the change in staffing affects some of the ways that we can put forth information about, you know, your child, how we can talk about them, how we have access to different things. And, and again, is everybody willing to be flexible and change our perception of what is success? What is what we expect to happen? And it's still going to be okay. And kids are still going to graduate and they're still going to be successful in the world, but it may not look the way it's always looked. How do we get there? Well, I, it's funny, I was participating in some um, interviews this week and uh, a colleague of mine asked, what is, your, what is your idea of the profile of a graduate? Mm. And I have never actually thought about that before when I'm thinking about a student. I've never thought of like, what is the profile for this, for this student in this district or for this student at this school? What, how, what do I want to see them as when they're... And it was just such an interesting when question. You, when you say graduate, do you mean just high school? Or are you talking like any... In this particular 
scenario, I think it was for high school, but mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking for anything, right? So, yeah. uh, well, year um, to year, you could say, right. graduating year to what year. What is my profile of a student? What will they look like? What will they need? And I feel like that profile is changing, yeah. and we need to change with it. And, you know, it's funny, I don't want to uh, steal someone's quote, uh, but someone recently said to me, the students are going to drive the change. Mm -hmm. So if we don't start thinking ahead, they're going to drive the change and force it for us. So why aren't we starting to do that research and thinking right. now about the mental, the increase in mental health challenges? The statistics around students of color being disproportionately um, evaluated for disabilities yep. Yep. when there could be so many other reasons, but their numbers, at least in Massachusetts, if you go on the Department of Education's website, the disproportionality of kids of color who are um, either diagnosed with some sort of disability or um, have had evaluations, are in special ed in any way, or have 504 plans is huge. So how do we drive the change where we're putting strategies in place, like you said, taking a step back mm -hmm. and saying, what can we put in as an accommodation for everyone to be able to help I joked with you earlier about flexible seating. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Something as, as simple as yeah. having some of those seated rocking chairs. See, obviously they're all seated. <laughs> but rocking chairs. Nobody wants to stand school, in a school-based rocking chairs. Rocking chair. So not right. your grandmother's rocking chair at our no, house, but yeah. the school-based rocking chairs that fit under a desk. Something as simple as that, I think, was a game changer when we worked together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to, I think it's meeting kids where they're at. And I think, you know... I, as much as there's that traditional mindset of like in a desk sitting all day with a pencil, with a paper, with a, you know, even now it's the Chromebooks or the whatever. I think it is, you're right. It's, it's understanding that there are ways that we can allow for movement. We can allow for some of that release of emotions. We can make sure that maybe we're running more type clinical type groups within a um, public school setting where they do have somebody running groups about managing emotions. I know, I know what happens in, a setting that's more private, more um, restrictive, but is it happening in a public school? Are kids getting to understand why do I feel like this and how do I help myself? What are some things that I can do? Who can I turn to within a school that I can be feel you know that I feel supported by? And what are some strategies I can learn? I think it's, it seems so easy to say that, but I think we take for granted that we kids will just know what to do for themselves, mm -hmm. and they don't. And you know, obviously making sure that, that schools prioritize the outlets that are traditional, such as recess and art and music and even like a woodworking, those type of things where they get to release that energy and that creativity in another way so that they're learning that these are the coping strategies. You know, these are things that adults can do to help them. So we learn that as kids and sometimes we cut those things. We take that out. We say, well, no, it's academics, it's testing. It's, you know, we have to score certain, you know, a certain way to be recognized as a top district. No, get back to what are the things we can do that teach kids how to cope, give them a variety of skills, a variety of outlets, understand that adaptations in the classroom are totally normal and some kids may need something that other kids don't and that's okay we don't stigmatize those things those strategies if a kid needs to you know use a poppet that's fine even if he's 13 we're not stigmatizing him because he's using that at his desk or that this child needed a rocking chair to see that's okay a band to kick against that's okay we're not stigmatizing that it's not going to hurt your highest performers to spend an extra 15 seconds to demonstrate step one of a task 
and say, That's here's what you're too. supposed to do first. Right. It's not going to, it's not going to harm your highest performers. Are you saying Sarah Ward's get ready, do done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm a big fan. Hashtag name drops. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not going to hurt your highest performers to spend that extra time building in some executive functioning support. Absolutely. That will be a future podcast, by yeah. the way. We could, we, we're both very passionate about executive functioning, could devote, you know, hours of time to it, but that's a huge piece as well. It is. And I think too, adults, I mean, I see so many adults with those keychain poppers, for example, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're giving these strategies, but think about people who are um, shaking their leg. That's a strategy to support well, their... As an OT, I often say that we all are doing things all the time to keep our arousal level consistent with what's happening. You know, it's it's frowned upon as an adult to fall asleep in a meeting at work. You know, we should teach our children the same. It's frowned upon to be sleeping at school or to be distracted by your phone or to be talking to somebody. What can you do to help you think about what's going on and, you know, what's a strategy, what's a distraction, making that distinction, I think, you know, school personnel that are already on hand, counselors, OTs, speech pathologists, who can step in and start teaching some of that stuff. I think making it more of the mainstream versus like that's special ed, that's a certain type of kid. No, that's everybody. Everybody could benefit from understanding what helps them. And the more that we can normalize that and just make that accessible and understanding too that there are kids that might have bigger things going on that need that outlet of someone to talk to, making those individuals in a school system um, accessible, not acceptable, accessible, uh, point person, whatever it is, but we're, we have more eyes on more things going on where we can identify, you know, this is a kid that might be at risk. You may not have understood that before, but now we're seeing the signs and teaching our school personnel, teachers, assistant teachers, people that are in the classroom, what to look for. You know, not assuming that people know exactly what they're looking for. I'm sorry, did you say that you've seen people fall asleep during meetings before? Maybe. <laughs> I might have seen it a time or two. No, I agree. And I also think being transparent about the statistics, right? There is an increase. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't realize, I'm, I've sat in so many meetings throughout the course of my career where people, you know, talk about kids being behavioral and me having to reframe and say, right, so what? what is the purpose? What is the yeah. meaning behind the behavior? And it's not just throwing an FBA out there or putting a BCBA be on a it. Functional behavioral assessment for those that That's don't right. know. Or a board certified behavior analyst. Right. I don't, you don't need to automatically jump to that step when yeah. there are some certain certain accommodations that can jump into place. Well, and that brings me to something that we think about a lot as as sort of the pressure of this is an identified problem. Let's get the biggest thing we can do to address it rather than start to work through what are some options that are like lower level, you know, what's what's an, a small accommodation, a small strategy rather than this needs this huge reaction, this huge set of eyes on it. it may not. And I think that's something we also have to educate all all members of a student's team that not everything needs the biggest Response that there are things it's it sort of reminds me of like an RTI response intervention of tears and let's work through we don't want to put the most restrictive thing in place first we want to think about what can we do to build up to if we need that response great if we don't that's even better a strategy an accommodation huge and I think you know for those kids in special ed making sure underline bold that their IEP accommodations are being implemented in the classroom i can't say how often i've seen that not occur that needs to be there and we need to make sure that's happening and i think we can also talk about what accommodations are great for the general ed population that doesn't have an IEP that might help support some of these kids with these underlying emotional issues that are hard to catch 
you know, in a large school with a lot of kids in a classroom that just aren't identified? I mean, I know we've told teachers over the years that you and I have worked together a time or two mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, you have to build in all those supports at the beginning. Right. And when you say the beginning, what do you mean? I'm sorry. At the beginning of the school year. I see. And so building all of those in ahead of time and then pulling back on those that access as kids gain independence right. and generalize the skill is widely important. And it's stopping what I'm seeing a lot of or what I see a lot of is now it's panic mode. Right. So it's all of a sudden. Kids need a kids need a one to one sitting right, right next to them, it, and then it's it. like learned helplessness. Instead of if we had just built these built these accommodations right. in ahead of time, yeah, you make such a good point because I think what we need to say in the beginning is in the beginning of the year or in the beginning of using something like a strategy is this may be something that this child will use lifelong. This may also be something that's used short term, and we don't want to freak out if those who are in the know say, hey, maybe it's time to pull back from that. Because actually what we want to say is this strategy, this accommodation, this modification got this child to this point that we really wanted to see this child get to. Now we can take some of that away. They've internalized it. And that's the whole point of it. And if you think about executive functioning, I do, we do, you do. It starts with the adult scaffolding and kind of controlling a lot of the, the way that it goes. And then it's the student and the and the teacher or the adult working together to do that you know activity, to show how to accommodate for that. Then we let the child go, kind of like, here's your bike without training wheels. You've got this. Why would you want to say, now you're riding the bike, let's put the training wheels back on. That wouldn't make any sense. Nobody would do that. So, but maybe it's, can we ride it for longer? Can we get to a different bike? You have to be able to keep shifting. That's the whole point of meeting with all the team members. That's the point of if kids are an IEP, continuing to update that, updating whatever documents the school system uses for their students, constantly seeing what else we can be doing to promote that independence and that success. And if we see that it's not working, reevaluating that. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying we tried this thing and it didn't work. What else can we do? That's okay. Well, and I I always tell people, you're gonna save yourself so much time by putting in all that work up front. Absolutely. And all my years as a teacher, I put everything in up front. And by November, December, of course, you have to start over in January because well, yeah. school vacation just yep. ruins life, yep. I feel like. Yep. Um, as much as we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I front-loaded everything in September because I knew by November, December, my kids would have it down and I had more flexibility. I had time to go make a copy at 11 because I knew that they were going to be fine if I left them with a paraprofessional or a teaching assistant right. for two minutes, whereas that may not have happened in September, but they knew the routine, they know the structure. I can put my agenda up on the board and it's the same agenda every day, just different, sim similar, same structure but different topics and they know where to get started they know where to grab their notebooks yep. it makes my job so i'm not joey get this sammy get that joe every single day by november they've got it they know it yeah that the, so as we said we'll definitely we'll be teasing the executive functioning coming up at some point because that's i, I don't know how a, a more critical thing happening other than some of the mental health challenges i think executive functioning is right up there and um, more and more I'm seeing students with that deficit, deficits in that domain, 
that are impacting school performance and creating frustration that creates this school refusal, work refusal, avoidance, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's definitely a future topic for us. Um, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to share this week. I'm just very excited about uh, school vacation coming up. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it'd be fun just to do something that, you know, maybe just off topic, random topic, if you will. Because we are also unstuck. <laughs> oh! Um, so I have this thing on my phone called a random topic generator. Mm, we're just going to see how it works, although I'm not liking the ones I'm finding right now. What happened to the one I had? Oh, no. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, geez, Louise. Where's the one I had? Oh, it's a, it's She's not here. great with technology. It's here. Folks. All right. You get one pass. All right. So I will ask this, and then you could say, I'd like to generate another random topic, and I will accept that. Do we? Are we talking about the same topic? Yeah. Or do we each get I don't know. One? What do you want to do? It's the first one. I feel like one. the same one. Let's All try right. the same one. So here's the first one, and we can pass on this or answer it. Okay. Do you like to dance or sing? I'm not going to pass on this one because I know your answer and I feel like you're very passionate about your choice. Well, I, you know, I would not characterize myself as a singer because that's insulting to singers. But those who do know me know that I do not pass up a microphone. Um, if there's one in my face, I'm going to use it. And I like to do some rap. Uh, rap karaoke is definitely something I enjoy. Been told a time or two I'm okay at it. I always look to get better, challenge myself with harder songs, but... Um, what would you answer to that? I would choose dance. Oh. I don't know I why. Don't, no, no one necessarily I mean, I through, knows you, but I think that's hilarious. I made it through one day of dance class when I was like four before I cried, and my mom ended up getting going to take me to McDonald's because I hated it so much. Oh. But, you know... I'm, but you've I'm, evolved. I'm out there on at a wedding. I'm out there on the dance floor. Yep, that love that cha-cha slide. See, yeah. I mean, I do love the dancing at a wedding, but I think... I cannot pass up karaoke, but I understand that's a tough one. Some people could say I like neither. I don't know if you're allowed to answer that, but I think I you have to pick. Not. You have to pick. No. Why pick dance? All right. Well, so we've got a dancer and a singer, and that's all we've got for today. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Make sure to check us out on the socials. Can you tell them where we're at, where they can find us? So I'm glad you asked, Raleigh. You can <laughs> find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. LinkedIn. I think that's all of them. All, all the big ones for now. Uh, at Unstuck Podcast One for what all of them. What was that again? Unstuck Podcast One. U N S T U C K P O D C A S T. The number one. Awesome. Not spelled out. The, the actual number one. And, you know, feel free to uh, give us some feedback or ask a question that we can answer. Ideas. Ideas. We are willing to talk about just about anything. So. Let us know how you're, what you're thinking about, how you're feeling out there, because we know it's tough and we are here to support you. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Signing out from Danielle. And signing out from the condo... Cove. Cove. I think that's, <laughs> that's what we one. got for right now. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>